0: Several years ago, I was invited back for a celebration day. In the, in the south, they have what they call homecomings in churches. And it's a great day, a lot of food, a lot of fellowship. And it was, I was invited back to the church that I began serving as a senior pastor when I first got out of seminary. And I thought I would be kind of reckless and say to them, does anybody remember the first sermon I ever preached as the pastor of this church? I'm expecting no one to remember. And this lady raises her hand and she quotes for me the text and the main point of the sermon. It had been 25 years since I preached that sermon. And what it did for me was not tell me that it was a great sermon. It told me it was a great text. And this morning, I want to share that text with you. It's a text that comes out of a letter in the New Testament called the letter to the Hebrews. We don't really know who the author of the letter was. The the manuscripts don't let us know. There are theories about several different people who could have written the letter. And there are arguments that seminary professors and people who get into that kind of thing love to have with each other. And, and then there are those who want to tell everybody you know, that they know who the real author is. But listen to me, none of us really know who wrote this book. What we do know is that it was ordained by God. Not just because some lady remembered a text 25 years later, but because for over 2,000 years, people who have been looking for God have been finding him through the words that are in this book. And the author opens with these words from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. After making purifications for the sins of everyone, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then the author launches into this whole description of how Jesus is better than the angels. But then he admits the reality of life, a reality that that has existed for many of us in in acute form over the last two years. And in chapter 2, he he makes this statement in chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Because you see, for the rest of chapter 1 and the first few verses of chapter 2, what the author is telling us is that this Jesus who who sits at the right hand of God, this Jesus who made sacrifice for our sins, this Jesus who made the world and spoke the world into being who holds the whole universe together, this Jesus who is greater than all of the angels and who we believe in faith, has control of our destiny and control of the world, we don't yet see it all the way Jesus sees it. Listen to what he says. Now in putting everything in subjection to Jesus, God left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. What that lady remembered and what I would call to your attention today is is this phrase, we do not yet see everything in subjection to God, but we see Jesus. In the last two years, in the world in which we live, it has become very evident to us that unless you have a faith in who God is, a faith in who Jesus is, the world's chaos can cave you in. The world's chaos can, can suck you down. When you look at the, the racial injustice, when you, when you look at the, the arguments between people over vaccines, when you, when you look at all the things that we've been through in the last couple of years, It is easy to see that without Jesus Christ in your life, the chaos gets greater. The pain is more astute. There is this sense that that everything is going south fast. Now, I will have to say to you, as a young man who was raised in the south, I always kind of wondered why y'all said that like that. It's going south. Hey, that's not a bad thing. Yesterday when I woke up and saw snow going south was a good thing in my mind. But even though everything's been crazy and chaotic, we see Jesus. And what I want to do for you today is I want to I, I want to celebrate with you. I want to I want to show you some things that in the midst of the chaos of the last two years in general and the last 12 months in particular, we as the people of God here at Eastside Church have have seen Jesus. And some of us have seen him more clearly than others, but all of us can see him And we can see him individually, as Heather was just helping us sing for what he's done at Calvary, what he's done for our salvation, but but corporately as the people of God, because the world shifted and things look so different. I was talking to some university students from Anderson University this week, and they were reminding me about the fact that a year ago on campus, for those of you who were on campus in 2020, 2021, that you were allowed to be on your dorm floor but you were not allowed to go to a floor beneath you or above you unless you were the resident assistant checking on something going on bad in that floor. Now, I know some of you, and I know you didn't do that. I know that you, you sneak down those stairs, or you, I mean, I don't know any of you. Dunn Hall, yeah, you guys probably climbed windows. I'll just let you know. I, I, I remember Dunn Hall, all right? But, but, what, but what I know is that in that crazy, crazy time, God began to speak, and he continues to speak. And so I want to share with you some data, some metrics today. Now, we can't gather and, and, and count all the data and all the metrics because some things can't be counted. And some of the things that we've counted for years... We can't count, like the Sunday I walked in here and there was someone who hadn't been on campus since before COVID, and, and, and you have to know, I'm thrilled with our on-campus attendance. For those of you who are online, I'm thrilled that you're online with us. For those of you who watch later in the week on demand, you blow me away how consistent you are in the way you engage with this ministry through your, our online and on-demand presence. But I remember one Sunday in particular, I was so thrilled about the crowd, okay? Because what you've got to know is the on-campus crowd right now in the last two months is running 50% more than it ran in the same two months a year ago. And so I'm like, yeah, there are people in the chairs. Because I can remember being in this room and talking to to chairs. (laughs) Chairs and two people in the very back One of our custodians and a dear lady, good friend, who called me and said, I can't be alone anymore. Can I please come sit in a chair in the back on a Sunday morning and listen to the sermon? I'm like, as long as you don't breathe on me, you're fine, you know? I'll never forget speaking for months, weeks on end to just this room, praying, hoping, believing you were out there. So I'm thrilled to have this many people back. But on that particular Sunday when I'm thrilled, there's a lady who hadn't been back since before COVID and she remembers this room filled to overflowing and she walked and she looked at me and she goes, where are all the people? I pointed at the cameras, I said, they're there. (laughs) How do you know they're there? This is the, they gave their money, all right? So I'm I'm gonna share with you some of the metrics that we've been able to gather. Because I know, as I told you last week, that sometimes your emotions don't meet the metrics. And there are some of you who are just now hitting the wall emotionally. You've done great for two years. And now suddenly, the anxiety is creeping in. Just as all the COVID rates are starting to go down. And so this morning, I want you to hear that phrase, but we see Jesus. That's what that lady remembered that day. No matter what happens, we see Jesus. So, let's look at some metrics. The first metric is this. Um, People of churches have always measured How many people? That's what the lady was asking that Sunday. Where are all the people? Well, our average attendance on campus, online, on demand. And by the way, that that does not look like counting all the views on Facebook. Because we know that a view on Facebook could be like one second. Okay? or two, or three. So we don't, we don't use those kind of metrics. We've, we've talked with people around the country, in the field, who've given us metrics to be able to, to identify how many people are actually engaging with us online. So on campus, online, on demand later in the week, our average Sunday attendance in 2021 was 1,059. And some of you will look and go, really? That many? Some of you will look and go, that few? Hey, hey, in 2019, it was 20, we averaged 1,100. If we go through a pandemic and we lost 41 in average attendance, I'm a happy pastor. I'm a thrilled pastor. Do I want everything to continue to grow? Yes, I do. But that's a good number. And then our total income year to date. Now, this income number includes all of the designated giving, all of the Unrestricted giving, um, all the income that we've had as a as a church in, in 2021, 20, and our financial year, by the way, ends this Thursday. So if some of you would like, to, if somebody would like to make that an even two million dollars, just get the check in before Thursday, okay? But that that income has been a million nine hundred and fifty thousand three hundred and sixty one dollars, up eight percent over the previous year. Now, I need to clarify for you. That's our total income. That includes some designated giving, some of which I'm gonna tell you about. And some of you were here or online or on campus or on demand a few weeks ago when I told you, February our income dipped into our operating fund. And so what I, I need you to understand is that this is our total income we also handed you, as you came in today, uh, someone handed you a, a flyer that talks about our operating giving goal, and you'll notice on that that it's, it's basically, we, we took, we're going to take in, we anticipate, it's, you know, we're watching it, we, we will take in just a little more money than we spend, and that's kind of the way we do things around here, and then the goal for the next year is the same goal that we've had for the last two years. Because our operating, while our designated giving has been very strong and up, our operating fund giving has declined just a little bit. And so our leadership team feels like, you know what? The best thing we can do is keep that goal the same because none of us has paid $4.25 a gallon for gas before, all right? And so we don't know what the future is going to hold. So we want to be wise and discerning. But I thought you should know our overall giving is actually up 8% in the second year of a pandemic that we hope will not have a third year, all right? Here's another thing I want you to see is that not only have those kind of traditional metrics been strong, but in the middle of it, through designated giving, we were able to, to remodel the worship center and finally, after 10 months, get the chairs you're setting in and pay cash for all of that, and also update our children's area security. Because in 2019, before COVID hit, we had no way of, quote unquote, securing the children's area, the preschool area, the elementary area, so that while you're in services here, those doors are locked and secured completely, and, and we can parents, we can rest secure in the knowledge that our kids are safe. And so we were able to do all of that. And by the way, remodeling the sanctuary, we finally figured out, you know, when we took all the pews out so we could get six-foot social distancing and do all of that in 2020, some of you came in here. Some of you weren't here until we got it fixed. But, yeah, the carpet that was in here was from 1986. I remember 1986, but most of you don't, all right? And, and, And so the fact is that we were able to do all of this remodel Uh, got just one or two small tweaks still left to do. Like, for instance, we we remodeled the platform and we did a bunch of lights, but we forgot that we had lights that shine. You guys on the front row, you don't know this. I can't sit where you're sitting because the glare off the back of my head blinds three people, all right? Just let you know that, all right? And so we've we've got people coming in to fix that in the next It's a good thing you got hair, brother. I'm just telling you right now, all right? So, So we've done that and paid cash for. Also, last April, we received a designated gift of over $400,000 that allowed us to pay in full the mortgage on all of our property. And and God has blessed Eastside over 71 years. And over 71 years, we we have in this facility 100,000 square feet we currently own somewhere in the area of 16 to 17 acres. If you go on Coventry Drive, which is the road just east of us here, all the houses on the west side of the road, the, the side where the church is, we own all of those except one. And that's a very dear neighbor of ours, and, and we, we pray for her, and, and we're grateful for her, for her friendship. But all of those houses, and I'll talk to you about how they're used lately, but all of those houses are debt free. Our Grace Haven ministry um, to, of condos within the Crown Point community are all debt free. We have no mortgage at all and over $14 million worth of property and assets. And friends, that's the first time since 1964 that that's been true about East Side Church of God. And that happened. In the second year of a pandemic. Somebody might want to say thank you to Jesus for that. Would you, would you help me? In addition to those kind of metrics, here's some other things that we have seen Jesus do this year. Um, our Harvest Fund. Our Harvest Fund is something that was set up many years ago for us to be able, as the body of Christ, to help the people within the church Non-staff members, our staff members are not allowed to be a part of this, but just do the legalities. But, uh, but all, of, all of us are able to give periodically, uh, whenever you want to, actually, to a fund called the Harvest Fund. And what the Harvest Fund is for is to help people within the body of Christ at Eastside who run into unexpected medical expenses, unexpected uh, job situations, uh, where they're changing jobs, where, they, where they're, in, they're, they're caught in a, in a bind. And there are a whole set of regulations about how we can help and do that. And in 2020, we started getting more income into that fund than I'd ever seen. Because people were like, hey, we know something bad's going on with the pandemic. You're probably going to need this fund. And I have to tell you, throughout 2020, I kept thinking, man, money's coming in, but we're not having that many requests. And then 2021 came. <laughs> and, and we've had a record number of funds received and a record number of funds given out to help people within side, in the last year. The other thing is that at Christmas, you as a congregation contribute over $11,000 for Christmas families to make sure that children in our community could have Christmas. And we partnered along with a number of other churches with Operation Love. And Operation Love, in addition to the people we helped as a congregation, partnering with them, they helped over 300 families in Madison County that have 700 children among them. And you were a part of that at a tune of over $11,000. And I'm grateful for your generosity. The other thing that happened was that um, we did something because, if you remember, there was a surge coming. And we didn't really want to put together uh, an event here on campus and and contribute to the spread of, of a virus. And so we created what we called the Shine the Light Tour. And the Shine the Light Tour was um, an opportunity for people to go see uh, Christmas lights as a family in the safety of their own car, um, if there is such a thing as a safe car with preschoolers in it, um, and, and, go, and go see the, the Christmas lights. And, that was all done digitally on social media, and there was a map on how to go to each of those houses, and we partnered with some other folks in the city. Uh, pe- many of you from this church uh, put lights up at your house. There were other people there. There are people who started decorating lights for this Christmas in January. Do you know those people? So there are people in this community who have already started planning their Christmas light show, all right? And they started like second week of January. And they're they're really committed to it. And they allowed us to come on board with them. And we're grateful. And so a thousand different times someone accessed that map. And we think went to see those lights. Also, Eastside Studios. You may or may not know that uh, the, the house on the corner of Coventry and State Road 32 is one the church has owned for a number of years. And A few years back, we began a ministry called Eastside Studios. It's an art ministry uh, that allows space for for resident artists, studio artists who can come in. Uh, they're painters, there are three-dimensional artists, there are people who, who have studio space there. We also run a pottery out of that in partnership uh, with uh, the arts community in Anderson. Uh, there've been write-ups on the studio and that work in, in a number of magazines in, in the area a couple of times during the pandemic. And we had to shut it completely down due to, due to the pandemic, but... Um, but Uh, in the last half of 2021, we were able to reopen for individual lessons. And the, the studio, the resident artists were able to get back in and begin to use their spaces in a safe way. And in the last few months, we've been able to book private parties. And here's what's happening now. We don't open up and just say, hey, here's the open times to come because we have so many people booking private parties Um, and so the bandwidth is there, but we are moving toward more openness with a a, a unique ministry that is impacting lots and lots of people in this community. And then in addition to that, I want you to hear these metrics because here's the deal. All of this is still under the theme. We see Jesus. This is how we see Jesus at work in some of these metrics. It's not just your individual emotions because sometimes your emotions don't match the metrics. And yet, we also have a partnership that we've been doing for well over a decade now called Jakara's Closet. And uh, Jakara's Closet is a clothing pantry for Anderson Community School students. And, and we partner with some community organizations. And what happens is this, that many of you bring clothes. In fact, throughout the pandemic, y'all cleaned your closets, All right. Uh, during the pandemic, I mean, it's just like overflowing with clothes being brought in here all the time. And they're taken down to the, what's called the D26 Center. And um, there's a class of people that gets together and they're learning life skills and they learn how to repair old clothing. They, they learn how to repair old shoes. They, they, they take gently used clothing. They prepare it. Then they create what looks like, I've been through it a number of times. It actually is like a store and any teacher in the Anderson Community Schools who has a child in their class who doesn't have adequate clothing or who wears the same clothes every day, and they're kind of embarrassed by it, and these teachers are allowed to take that child and their parent or guardian to the Jakaris Closet. And at Jakarta's Closet, they can shop for their clothes with no money. And, and, and they're able to do that. And here's, when talking to the director, uh, Sheila McNutt about it, here's, here's what she said. Pastor, would you tell everybody that 30% of the clothes that we get come from East Side Church of God? And so it, 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 it's just an amazing gift that you give to the community, to the people of this town. And a few years ago, the school superintendent asked me to lunch and, and asked me a really strange question. He said, Pastor, we've got, a, we've got a, an elementary school within the shadow of the steeple of your church that has a food insecurity level. The children are so worried about where their next meals come in that they can't focus on their, focus on their studies. And the food insecurity level in that school is over 24%. And we wanna find a way And he said, what I'm wondering is Second Harvest Food Bank has the food they need. We have the facility to distribute it, but we need some people. We need some nice people who won't judge others. And I thought about your church. Do you have any nice people in your church who won't judge others? I sat there for a minute. I said, how many do you want? He said, I just need 10 or 15. I said, maybe. All right. No, really, I didn't. And uh, that ministry was birthed. Before COVID, the Anderson University so- men's soccer team, women's soccer team, the Anderson University basketball teams they, they would help us because what would happen is Second Harvest Food Bank would bring in like a semi-truckload of food over to the ele- elementary school. And these, these stu- college students would unload it and take it in and then set it up. And, and honestly, we didn't have 15 or 20. There were like 30 or 40 of you who would show up on the third Thursday night of every month during the school year and, and you would do all of this so that people could, so that people could come in and again, shop with, te- with dignity, with integrity um, and to come in and, and, and have the, the, the food that they needed. Why the third Thursday night? I asked the superintendent that. He smiled and said, Pastor, you've never lived on public assistance, did you? I said, no, I never have. He said, in public assistance, the end of the month is the hardest part of the month because the end of the month is when you're... you're Stuff runs out, so we're going to do this on Thursday so that they can be replenished to make it through to the beginning of the next month. And for years we've done that. Covid hit, and, st- and I'm like, "What are we going to do?" And so we contacted them, and they said, "You know what? We can't have people walking through like they used to, and we can't use the volunteers to like unload it like we used to." But I'll tell you what, we'll do. Second Harvest Food Bank was awesome in that they prepped the meals into boxes and the food in the boxes, and there have been, basically it went from needing 20 or 30 volunteers a month to needing six to 12, and for the last two years, there have been this very faithful core of six to 12 people who have gone, and last year, over 1,500 people received food because of those volunteers from Eastside Church and our partnership with Second Harvest Food Bank and Anderson Community Schools. The other thing metric-wise that we need to look at is that one of the ministries Eastside has that's a unique ministry. It's been going on again since the early 2000s. As God began to supply for us as a church the land around these houses that I was telling you about earlier, um, and we began to purchase those houses, we began to see a need within the, within the wider body of Christ. Sometimes there are pastors who are in transition between one place or another. Sometimes there are missionaries who come home. In fact, that's really what started us thinking about this was because I, I had been over to Africa and was talking with some of our Church of God missionaries and realized that I, something, I, again, I didn't know because I didn't have the experience. And maybe you don't know that a missionary who serves in another country can't buy a house in that country and live in it because they can't own property. They're not citizens. So they have to lease the place where they live And then when they come home to go from church to 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 try to get people to support their ministry, they have to have a place to live. And so they have to rent another place here. And one of our elders, one day, was as we were buying these houses. Somebody said, "You know what? What if we made those?" Now, the, the guy was a CPA, so I need you to understand. He was. This is how he was thinking, Pastor. If those are missionary houses, if those are guest houses, we can take them off the tax rolls. I love a CPA, all right? And I said, "You're right." course, what he didn't know was I would have to go down to the city of Anderson, talk to the property board every time we take one off and explain what we're doing. And they would look at me and say, you, who pays for these houses? Well, the church does. Who pays the utilities? Well, the church does. These people don't give you money as a gift on Sunday so they can live in the, ch- in the house? No, they don't do that. We provide this. And, and this last year, missionary families from three continents stayed in those three guest houses. And basically, by us providing those houses to them, by us taking care of the utilities, and by the way, that comes out of that operational giving goal that I was telling you that dipped a little bit in February. We've provided over $25,000 of support to those three families. And then along the way, some of you know that we received a gift as a church over a decade ago to purchase five condominiums in the senior adult community just north of the church called Crown Point. And, and that's why I said earlier we, we own those with no mortgage. It was, a, it was an $850,000 gift to buy those. And we have provided those to ministers and missionaries, Christian workers, who've come to the end of their active ministry And for whatever reason, maybe a a, a sickness that ate through all their life savings. Or in one case, I remember a a family who had served a church for over 40 years. And for 40 years, the church had put money back for that family, for their pastor and his wife when they retired. And they lived in the church-owned parsonage the whole time. So they had no home other than what the church provided. So every year, the church gave money. And you know what happened? (laughs) They invested it, right? Right. And somebody at the investment firm embezzled the money. And when this very faithful, very fruitful pastor and his wife got ready to step away from active ministry, they discovered the embezzlement. And they had nothing except a Social Security check. And they stepped into one of our Grace Haven condos. That's just one of the stories over the last decade that I can now tell you. I can also tell you that that family never even told their children about what had happened because they didn't want their children to be mad at the church. It wasn't until their funeral, the day of their funeral, that the children of that pastor and his wife walked into my office and said, we never knew until today what was going on with our parents' finances, and I just want you to know, Pastor Robinson, they would have never made it without Eastside Church. And to this day, every time I see their children who happen to also be Church of God pastors, they begin to cry about what you have done in the life of the church. And this last year, we had four families, four ministry families in one of those condos, or in in those condos, and we give them rental rates at one-third the market value. Um, And that provided over $50,000 of in-kind support to, to, to those families. Now, you notice I said we own five, and we said there were four. Because here's part of what was handed to you as you came in. It's a, for those of you who are going to stick around afterwards for, the, for our annual business meeting, there's a resolution coming from our elders that talks about the fact that we've not had as much demand for those condos in the last three or four years as we used to have. And so we've actually rented one of them at full market value in order to help. But now we're, we're looking at the fact with the economy, we're not sure exactly where this is gonna go and the need is not being presented. We think three condos will be adequate for the families we know about right now. At one time we had a waiting list. We don't have a waiting list anymore and we're grateful because that means that the people of God are taking care of their pastors and we're grateful for that. But for us, it means that we we feel like this would be a time for us to seek your permission. Because as the leadership team, we can't sell or buy property without permission from the church. And so we're asking your permission to investigate selling up to two. We probably won't sell two. And we're not kicking anybody that's in one out. That's not who we are. And I've already spoken to them to let them know about what we're asking you to do. So just, just be aware that that's going to be there if this is your church home. Now I share with you all those metrics. Why? Because we don't yet see everything under God's control. But we see Jesus. And these are some of the places in the last 12 months as the people of God, living in the kingdom of God, through an East Side Church, we've been seeing Jesus. And he's been making a difference, not just in people baptized, not just in people saved, not just in the fact that there's 50% more of you that I can see than I could see a year ago. But every day, he's making a difference here in Anderson and around the world through Eastside Church. And I want you to know that today, that that's the impact you're making I also want you to know that we believe ministry post COVID, post pandemic is going to be different than ministry pre pandemic or in the pandemic. And we've learned some things in the last two years. In fact, I was so convinced the pandemic was going to be over last September that I started talking to my staff in the spring. When it's over, this is what we're going to do. We had all these plans and it stuck around. And in the process, we began to do self of Every Every one of our staff members went through a series of inventories and assessments to figure out where we are emotionally, where we are mentally, where we are spiritually coming out of the pandemic. And we've been preparing this for you emphasis that we're talking about, where we're trying to let people who don't know Jesus know that Jesus is for them, not against them. And let people in the culture know that people of God are for them, not against them. That's going to be something we're going to talk about this whole year. And as we talk about it this whole year, you, you need to know we've been making preparations for the pandemic to end because we think ministry is going to look different. And so there's some things we've done. Pastor Jason Fries, who's been on our staff for a number of years, has now taken the responsibility of being our online campus pastor. For those of you who are online, Kayla wasn't teasing. He wants you to talk to him in the chat room. He gets nervous if you're not signing in but we're committed to helping you be more than just people who watch us online. Pastor Jason and his team are are working at how we do discipleship, how we build relationships, whether you live in Madison County and you're watching us online. I love this, a few weeks ago, we got a call at the office from someone who said, hey, I'm a part of the online campus community, and and my daughter's getting married, and my friends wanted to throw her a, a, a wedding shower. And they said to me, well, don't you go to East Side?" She goes, well, yeah, I'm a part of the East Side online community, and they're like, well, doesn't the church have a spot where, where they could throw the wedding shower? And she's like, I don't know. I've never seen the church. I don't understand. So she called the office and said, do y'all have any rooms? Oh, yeah, we got rooms. We think that's gonna continue. We don't think that the online and on demand is ever gonna end. And it's, it's more than watching us on TV. We want you to grow as followers of Jesus. We want you to grow as the people of God. So Pastor Jason has taken that responsibility. And going forward, that's going to be what, what he's going to focus on. Pastor Preston Kegley has been with us for a number of years as our student ministries pastor, one of our student ministries pastors. And, and Preston has come to the place where and we shared this with our teenagers a few weeks ago. Preston needs to step away from youth ministry and step into adult ministries. And we've been planning on him making that, that move. And, and then he and Erica began to experience this wonderful gift. They are pregnant with twins. They need your prayer. For lots of reasons. Because that's always a tough pregnancy. And so you need to pray for Preston and Erica. That, that's a tough season they're in but you also need to know they're going to have three children under three they're going to need your prayers for a long time all right so pray for them and he's going to step into adult ministries and we've been preparing for that to happen later this year but now he needs to do that immediately and so johnny elder who has been an intern with us who grew up in this congregation who's graduating right johnny He's over here graduating in May from Anderson University is going to step into our role as youth director full time starting in May. And we're we're excited about that. Pastor Terry Downey, who has been working in our youth and and next generation discipleship. She's going to work with Johnny and she's going to also continue to be the next generation discipleship pastor. Lisa Garrett been a part of our congregation for a number of years, who was a part of the Anderson School of Theology graduating class in 2020. Yeah, some of the rest of you were a part of that too. That's, that was a hard graduation. And um, she is stepping into the role as pastor of elementary children. And Josh Wagner, who you met, a few, he's not here today. Josh is on vacation with his wife, Nani. And Josh has been in ministry in the Church of God for almost 20 years as a worship pastor, a church planter, an associate pastor. And before COVID was involved in planting a church, a multiracial, multigenerational church down in Indianapolis. But COVID blew that apart. It wasn't able to continue. And so God's worked out some amazing conversations and and Josh is joining our staff part-time with us to not to be the worship pastor. His title is, is Pastor of Engagement. It does mean, because he's musically gifted, that he'll be leading worship from time to time, along with Heather and Sarah. And we're grateful, because here's what we've learned. We've learned that coming out of the pandemic, we, we, are, we have, as we've prepared, we have moved from more full-time people to more part-time people in order to facilitate the use of gifts of people. And Josh has this real passion for missional communities. And and one of the things we want to do is we want to be involved because we are able to do what we can do online now. Because we're able to do things we couldn't do three years ago. We want to be involved in missional communities in the city of Indianapolis, in Madison County, in Hamilton County, in Muncie. So for those of you who are watching us online, be, be aware, in the next few months, Pastor Josh is gonna be rolling out some opportunities for you to, to be the people of God in the kingdom of God wherever God has planted you. And for those of us online and those of us on demand and those of us on campus, we're going to explore in the next few years what God is gonna do We've got some plans. We'll be rolling them out to you in the next few months, but I wanted you to know about about what we've been doing to prepare for life post-pandemic because the pandemic is going to end, but ministry is going to go on forever. Why? Because we don't yet see everything under God's control, but we see Jesus. And we've got some great things. Our, our kids ministry team, Lisa and Ashley, uh, Smalley and Stacy Darty. They they they've been planning something. Here's a fun one for those of you who have preschool kids. This summer, this summer they're gonna they're gonna have at least one day a week, and then there'll be some some weeks where they'll have more. But where where mothers of preschoolers can come to the life center, turn their children loose to just run in circles safely. And mama can sit there with her friends and watch. You know, We're, gonna, we're not going to do VBS the traditional way this summer. Instead of doing a week-long VBS, we're going to do a summer-long VBS. And, and relax, we're not going to ask any of you to come every day all summer to lead a traditional VBS. But one day a week in all of June and July, we're going to have uh, uh, from 10 to 12 on a Wednesday, we're going to have summer camp here, summer club here. We've got lots of different things that we're gonna be trying to do. But here's the core. We believe that we still see Jesus at work. And this morning was all about us telling you that. And so here's what I wanna invite you to do. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray that God will lead us and that we will listen. I know he'll lead us. His word promises he, he will. But that we'll listen to him. And for those of you that Eastside is your church home, and you've been worshiping with us for six months, whether you've been online or on campus or on demand for the six months. If you're on campus today, we invite you to be a part of this very short business meeting that we have in just a few minutes. But if you're our guest here today, we you're welcome to stay. I promise you it won't take long. But if you have to leave, we want to honor your time. If you'd like to have lunch on us, the the, the brunch crew is still at work in the Life Center, and, and you'll be able to go over and pick up, pick up lunch before you leave campus today, for those of you on campus. For those of you online, I, I do need to say this to you. We have not yet been able to legally work out a format where you can vote in our annual meeting. We're, we're working at that, and perhaps by next year we'll be able, because we really are committed to a hybrid model of church and hopefully by next year we'll have that worked out legally but we don't have that worked out yet and so we need to stay with what our current bylaws say to us which is that you need to be on campus today in order to cast a ballot if you are 18 years of age have been with us for 6 months and you call Jesus your lord and savior and you're saying he's he's your lord and savior you are welcome you're welcome to be a part if you are a university student our bylaws recognize uh, the fact that you, you guys come and go in terms of your school year. And so if you fit that criteria and you're a university student, you need to have been worshiping with us for one year rather than six months. And so th- those three criteria are the criteria that are utilized for us to do the corporate business we need to do. So what's gonna happen is this. I, in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. And then I've asked Heather and the band, I love that song that she introduced to you this morning what God has done because this, this is the time when we see Jesus. It's in the middle of pandemics. It's in the, it's in the middle of war. It's in the middle of tough things that, that people who don't know Jesus start looking for Jesus. And if you're here today with us online or on campus or later this week on demand and you're looking for Jesus, friend, thank you. Keep looking. We want to keep telling you about him. Connect with us in some way. The QR codes on the, on the chairs, the, in the chat rooms, whatever you need to do, here's the deal. Jesus is for you, and we want you to know that. And so I'm going to ask you on campus, would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And while, while, uh, while we're singing, uh, or right, right after we sing, if you, if, this is, if, if you need to go, we'll respect that. But we invite you, if this is your church home, to stay with us. And you're invited, even if it's not your church home, if you want to just see what we do on something like this. Once a year we do this. And so you're invited to be a part. Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, thank you so much for what you do. That even when our emotions don't match the metrics you reach out to us in love and grace and mercy. And right now, Father, as we've gone through some metrics today, and we remember that in days gone by, long ago, you spoke to our forefathers and foremothers through the prophets. But in these last days, you have spoken to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And our hearts have been changed, not because everything around us is good, but because you are good in the midst of everything around us. And that while we don't yet see everything under your control, we have faith that it is because we see Jesus. So this morning, as we worship you, receive our praise for all that you have done, for it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray.